Hello, and welcome to SoberCast, where we provide AA speaker meetings and workshops in podcast format. We're an ad-free podcast, and if you enjoy listening, please help us be self-supporting by visiting SoberCast.com, look for the donate link, and drop a dollar or two into our virtual basket. We hope you enjoy the podcast. Have a great day. My sobriety date is July 4th, 1977, so I'm, I'm really old. <laughs> I just need to say that. Um, I mean, I'm old. I've been sober a long time. And for those of you who are new, and when I think about the steps, I think about the woman who took me out for coffee after my first meeting. I knew her. I can't believe that I went to an AA meeting and I knew someone and she took me out for coffee afterward. And she said to me, do you have any alcohol or do you take any pills? And I said, um, she said, do you have any alcohol in your house? Do you take any pills? And I said, well, um, I said, of course, I take pills, but they're all prescribed by doctors. I remember saying that to her. And she said, you know, in AA, it would really be good if you went home and threw away all your alcohol and your pills. Yeah, my God. I think I had 40 bottles of alcohol at my house, just in case people came over, you know, for a party, what kind of party would that have been, you know, and I had medicine cabinets filled with pills and, um, and I did it and I did it. And did I know at that point I was working step one step two, step three, step four, even step four, five, six. No, I didn't know. Did I know that surrendering, surrendering at that point was a surrender to an incredible life? I didn't know that. See, I had no idea. I thought it was over. I thought the fun was gone. The success was gone. The good times were gone. Everything was gone. I had no idea that it was just beginning. See, it wasn't over. It was just beginning. And uh, so I came to Alcoholics Anonymous. And I'll just tell you a tiny bit about my early sobriety. And then we'll talk about the, the steps. I only liked insane meetings, just so you know. I didn't like meetings where people were quiet and they sat still and they listened. I liked really crazy meetings. Um, I was at a meeting once with a guy who um, pulled a gun at the meeting because he hated us and we all hated him too. And so he waved the gun around while he was sharing. And then the timer, because there's a timer at this meeting, the timer said, time's up, George. And he sat down and put the gun away and the meeting continued. Now, is there any better drama in the world than people trying to stay sober and being totally crazy. No, there's none. Um, The first thing I ever said in a meeting ever was I raised my hand and I said, I'm Mary, I'm an alcoholic, and I don't want to tell my mother. That was the one thing I didn't want to do. I didn't want to tell my mother. So, um, Afterward, a woman came out, she took a picture of me outside the meeting with a guy who had 10 rolls of toilet paper in his hands, a guy without a shirt, and a woman with 
you would have called her in the past a bag lady. You would call her now a person who's suffering from homelessness. And she took a picture of me with these people and she had it printed and she mailed it to me. And she said, send this to your mother and tell her these are your new friends. And I started laughing. And I've been laughing in AA ever since. I mean, laughing is the medicine. That's it. That's, that, that's what does. Some, some guy last night in a meeting said that he was in high school and all the kids didn't want to take a, a test. So they called in a bomb threat and he was laughing about it. And I thought, well, no one will laugh about it today, but they laughed about it then. So how did I work the steps? How did I get to six and seven? Well, the one thing that's pretty clear about step six is that, um, well, first of all, it starts out the difference between the men and the boys. So of course, every woman now in AA is like, what? No, 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 this is not the men and the boys. But, but the truth is that statement is really about the fact that we surrender one thing, which is alcohol or drugs. And then the rest is an uphill battle. It really is. To surrender our character defects is an uphill battle. Because it's easy. No, it's not easy. The hardest thing you ever do is, is to walk through the doors of AA. I remember, I remember once I went on a 12-step call and there was a woman. And remember, we went to her apartment and we opened the door and there were 10 men standing there. And we said, we were so scared, myself and another woman. And I said, hi, I'm, I'm Mary, and I'm looking for Sophie. And they're like, Sophie's not here. We were so scared. And I could look through past the 10 men into a bedroom, and under the bed was this woman lying there. And she couldn't walk. She couldn't make the walk. She couldn't walk to the door, and she couldn't walk into the doors. And here we are. We walked into the doors of A. But to work the steps, to work steps six and seven, first of all, you have to work five in order to work six. And how did I realize that that, to me, was the most difficult hurdle? Because a girl came to my house one day, and she was all set to work, to read her, her inventory to me. And I opened the door and I said, hi, I'm so glad you're here. And she turned around and ran away and left and never came back, never came back to AA. And I got it. Who wants to tell people the most intimate things that you've never told another soul in your life? You know, we don't. And then step six, you know, people are constantly debating. I mean, I just love this. Alcoholics are, I mean, I'm a professor, so I understand giving lectures, but this whole thing about we're entirely ready and then humbly asked, oh, Lord. I mean, Bill Wilson just, he had to figure out other words. You know, we don't have to debate these words because AA is not about debating sentences because that's not the way to God. Seeking God is the way to God. Um, but A is about action. So if you're new, you probably won't even understand, you know, what I'm talking about, because honestly, the most important thing you do if you're new is you don't drink. You find a group of people, friends to hang out with, to go to coffee shops with, you know, to, 
like, what the heck, what are these people saying? I don't understand anything. But when you're at this point, when you're step six and, and you have honest to God read an inventory. Well, I use the word honest, but I should use the word honest here. That is honest. And you have read it to someone you trust. It could be your sponsor. For me, it was or it could be a priest or it could be anybody. And then you have to take action on these character defects. And I mean, do we have, did we know? Did I know that my reason for just having so many boyfriends had to do with the fact that my brother left when I was two to go to the seminary? And my father worked two jobs to send me to grade schools. No, I didn't. I didn't know I felt lonely. I didn't know I felt abandoned. No, I just knew I needed a lot of boyfriends. And they were there. Thank God they showed up. And so now I'm, now I have to work step six, clean house. It says clean house, but it also says, the greatest thing about step six is it says we are not white as snow. And I love that because we are not white as snow. And the thing about AA that I have learned from all my years of sobriety is this is a constant program of action. This is not a program of I uncover something and then that's it. No, it's a constant program of revealing to ourselves the character defects that keep us from a power greater than ourselves. And when you're new, it's very difficult to understand or to even think that you need a power greater than yourself because there's so many newcomers on here. I remember when I was new, somebody said to me, oh, Mary, it's as if you parked God by the side of a freeway and left him there, you know? And I, and I, I thought, I, do I have to seek this God? Is that the answer? Because I'm pretty willful and I'm very Irish. And I'm also think that, okay, you can all handle my drinking and I'll give that to you, but don't get in the way of my career. Don't, don't do that. And don't, don't tell me who to date. Don't, don't do those things because I'm not going to listen to you because I am sober and I can do it on my own. This is before I ever tried to work, write the inventory, work step six, work step seven. You know, I just thought, and, and I really did. And I, you know, I, I, I read all these lines in step six, like, you speak love, but you really mean sex. Well, I had never in my entire life talked about sex to anybody. So to write it, to read it, and then to pray about it. No, that is, that is not to pray to have removed the one thing that worked for me besides alcohol and drugs. Is that this is what you want me to give up? You want me to work the steps on it? You want me to, you know, humbly ask 
these are difficult things. These are difficult things, you know, and I, and I thought, you know, it's funny. I thought, cause th- this step sticks is all about these character defects that are so glaring to others, but not to us like envy and, you know, um, to be willing to aim toward perfection. See, this is the thing where I made a mistake where the steps really helped me, which is I thought I'll handle the stuff in my life that I need to handle. And then you, you can take the drinking and you can take the crazy, but I, I'm, I'm going to do it. And it turns out it doesn't work because what happens when we think we can do it is we put this barricade in front of seeking a higher power. I, always, I heard somebody say recently, don't put studying AA before seeking a higher power. And that's that's really what I had to do. When I reread this step again, I kept thinking of procrastination. I am a procrastinator. And I think it's because I'm a journalist who's worked on deadlines my whole life. So what you do is you just wait till the very end. And then when the tension builds up, you just, then you do it. Well, that doesn't really work as a professor. So I'm a professor now. So that doesn't work. So now I have to think, why do I procrastinate? What good does it do for me? And how, who can help me? I've asked millions of people. Now, the way for me is step six. The way for me is through seeking guidance from a higher power. Because I don't want to accept the fact that I need it. You know, it's funny, when I first came into AA, I thought, I, you know, I don't think I belong here because I haven't been to prison. I remember, I remember thinking that. Like I would go to meetings and I hear all these people have been to jail and prison. And I think, well, I haven't been to jail. I haven't been to prison. Do I, do I, do, am I really an alcoholic? Once I did my inventory, once I really looked at my character defects, once I looked at how much I drank, oh God. You know, somebody asked me, uh, my boss, I was working for a magazine and he said, I don't, I don't know why you can't write as much as you did last year. And I had to tell him the truth. I can't write as much as I did last year because I was taking speed every day. And that's why I was able to write so much. And now I don't take it and I'm not going to take it. And, I'm, and I don't drink anymore. And if you want that person, you have to hire somebody else. And those were hard things to say because I was convinced that maybe these steps did not work. You know, make a new beginning. I mean, make a new beginning. I'd already begun and begun. I'd already moved from the Midwest to school in New York and then to live in California. I'd made all these beginnings. You want me to make another beginning? You want me to humbly, humbly ask? The other thing is material achievement. It really talks about this in step seven, how we, you know, alcoholics, this is the thing that we think brings happiness. We do. 
material achievement, big house, car, big job, lots of money. And trust me, it does bring glamour. It brings satisfaction. It brings a lot of things, but it does not bring happiness. Happiness is what we get from working these steps. Happiness is an inside job. It's just inside. I, I think to myself, what would I have been like at this point in my life if I had been drinking, still drinking, um, never worked step six and seven, never looked at my character defects? What would my life be like? Well, first of all, I'd probably be lying on the floor in my house, drunk out of my mind, crying. Um, I would not have had the life I had. You know, people ask me all the time, what, what is, A? I said, A is the greatest life you'll ever have. It really is. And, um, but what, what would I have if I hadn't done, if I hadn't, you know, really looked at my character, prayed about my character defects, written about them, asked that they be removed. What would my life, it would not be the life I have today. I would not have two wonderful children and grandchildren. I mean, I would not have the abundance. And I don't mean material abundance. I really don't. I mean, if you lived in Los Angeles, this is, this is what, I don't know if you'll even understand this, but when I first got to AA in my early years, I only wanted to eat at this restaurant called Spago because it was like the restaurant. And then I fell in love with a man who ate at Denny's. And I don't know if you know what that means, but it's like the worst coffee shop in America. So now I'm in love with, I buy my clothes at Neiman Marcus, which is one of the, you know, like it's going like going to Harrods or something. And, uh, and he buys his clothes at, um, you know, like a thrift shop <laughs> and he's happy. And he's sober so much longer than I am. And I get it. What it's about is service. I mean, I really get, I really promise you that this is what all this step six, step seven, what this, and also the thing I get is that it's not about my own power. When I was brand new, um, and I was going to this meeting, somebody said something to me from step seven, which I have never forgotten. Every story I have ever written for any magazine, newspaper, anything, I write at the top of it, of myself, I am nothing, the father doeth the work. Now, the man who told me to do that, I didn't know he was saying work step seven. I had no idea what that was. But I did it. Of course, there were a few editors in New York who were like, what is this thing that you wrote at the top of your story? Because <laughs> I, I used to delete it before I sent it. But of myself, I am nothing the father doeth the work. And that doesn't just apply to writing stories. That applies to every day, to relationships, you know, to children, to, you know, to everything of myself. I am nothing the father doeth the work. And um, 
when I was thinking about this, when I was listening to what everybody read before, and I was thinking about something that somebody read that I just, I wanted to mention this, which is AA is so brilliant in that decades ago, the founders realized we couldn't bring politics into AA. They got it. Because if we brought politics into AA today, we'd be, you know, there'd be warring camps. No, this is a safe, a spiritual place, a place for us to be healed. And I didn't know that. I mean, um, but how did I surrender? How did I surrender my will to be able to work the steps? So I'll just tell you a tiny bit about that. Um, when I was three and a half years sober, I was, I had dated, I had been married. When I first got sober, I was married. I was living with this guy. And then I met a boy at my first meeting. Not a good idea. If you're new, don't do it. But anyway, so I was wild and crazy. And at three and a half years of sobriety, I uh, was dating a man who was foreclosing on my house. If you know what that means, it means it, it isn't good. Let's just say that it isn't good. And I ended up on Skid Row in Los Angeles, talking, not living, talking to a man who worked on Skid Row at, at a at a mission. And um, I finally told somebody in AA, I'm dating this guy who's foreclosing on my house. And he said, when are you going to see him next? And I said, I'm taking him to see the play Evita. And this man walked me around Skid Row in Los Angeles. And if you live in America, and I don't know what it's like in the UK, but there are homeless people everywhere. Then they were just in certain areas. And the streets were filled with men. At that point, mostly men. Now, the number one fastest growing population of the homeless in, in America are women over 65. But then it was men. And this man handed me a note. And because I told him I was seeing this guy taking the CE Vita and he, the note said, what I'm going to ask you to do is as difficult as asking these guys to stop drinking wine. And the note said, tear up the tickets to Evita and cancel out. And he was asking me to surrender. I thought I'd already surrendered, but I hadn't. Surrender. Some voice louder than my own, which leads you to God. Some voice louder than my own, which leads you to God, which led me to God. And so I, I surrendered. I didn't want to. I didn't think I needed to, but I did it. Oh my God, my life changed so much. My life, by working the steps, by saying of myself, I am nothing, the Father doeth the work. That is saying, you know, not just about my drinking, but that is saying about everything. I have to do this before every class I teach. I have to do this before everything. Because if I don't, then I think I'm doing it. You know, I think I think, you know, it's funny in the in the last year and a half, um, the man I love died. Um, 
my dog died. I forget. Did Melissa say her dog? Is it Melissa who said her dog died? Oh yeah. Oh my God. My dog died. And I thought this is just, why shouldn't I just give up on life? I mean, really, come on. I've done so much. And I, I don't know. I don't know. I worked the steps again. I did. I prayed of myself. I am nothing the father do with the work. And then what, what did God decide to do? So I'm lonely. I'm sad. What, what did God decide to do? First of all, he made me the secretary of my home group. And I don't know if you know the Pacific group, but it's pretty big. And there are a lot of people with a lot of opinions. And then I suddenly teach three classes a week. And then God decided I should be the head of this women's leadership society. No, I want to withdraw from all of you. And now God just said, no, that's not how you're going. I'm, I'm pulling you in the other direction. So does that mean that because I humbly asked him? No, I don't think I humbly asked him, but I'd humbly asked him so many times in the past that when I really needed God, when I really, really needed, he just, he's just there in every part of my life. You know, that's one of the things I learned in my sobriety is that if you wait till you get to a point in life where you really need spiritual help, it's hard to get it at that point. It's hard to get it if you haven't been striving before. I mean, I know that because I have had three back surgeries. And trust me, did I want to give up? And this is too hard and I'm depressed. And yeah, but but no, 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 no. You know, it turns out you can work from home when you have a computer. You can work from bed when you have a computer. God just doesn't let us give up. He doesn't. God is just, and if it's a he or a she or whatever, you know, in, in LA, I mean, certainly as a professor, you have to be very careful about what you say and how you say it. But I don't have to be careful when I talk to you about the things that work for me. Like, it's funny, I have this rubber band on my, on my wrist. And when I think humbly asked him, I just snap it because some old timer in AA told me this. I just snap it and say, I'm right here right now. If I'm right here right now, I cannot get into the future. I just can't. And I cannot go back to the past. When I was new, I understood none of this. I promise you, when I was new, the only thing I understood is I need friends. I need to have a group of people I hang out with. I feel I have no idea what's happening to my life. I've given up everything that worked for me. And I don't know how to be here. So I didn't I didn't understand. We would have these like guys in AA that would speak all the time and I, I would listen. I think, I don't know what you're talking about. But what I did understand was you can't drink. And if you fall in love with someone when you're new, you can't drink. And if you have a failure in life, you can't drink. And if you, if your mother is angry with you, you can't drink. And so I didn't drink. And that was the best I could do. 
when I was new. But then, so how did these steps then transform my life, especially six and seven? Well, the thing about six and the thing about seven was for some reason, when I was, uh, before I got to AA, I thought my family had abandoned me. They had abandoned me and I am resentful. And then I worked the steps and then I wrote the steps and I read the steps and then I did six and seven. And I realized, no, no, I abandoned them. They didn't abandon me. When I went to New York to college, they didn't abandon me. I went to New York. When I moved to California, they didn't abandon me. I moved to California and it was life transforming. I think that's the thing about the steps that I would say is it is life transforming because what I feel is that it connected my heart and my soul and my mind together. I was here, but I wasn't connected. I almost feel like it connected the top of my body to the bottom. It just was like a puzzle. I put it in place. This is who you are. And I was afraid to be who I am. I was afraid. I looked at some of these, I look at some of these uh, character defects. One other thing I was afraid to be was fun. Because I thought, well, when I drank, and I really like to dance on tabletops. That is one of my favorite things to do when I drink. I mean, I just really, really like to do that. And then I come to A and I work the steps and I'm thinking, can I, can I ever dance on a tabletop again? Is it ever going to happen? And when I was new, even when I, before I worked this step, I remember, I don't know, being someplace with a whole bunch of people at work and I don't know what song they play, but I know I got on the table and danced. And I thought, my God, you can have fun sober. I didn't know that. The other thing is, I thought sloth. Well, did I understand that procrastination is sloth? No, I didn't. And I don't know if I, you know, the thing, the thing about the steps that's really great, especially six, is that we pray for our own uh, goals. Okay, this is what I want. And if I get this, and then God, if we pray for what God's will is, then that's a whole different thing. When I, when I was in Cambodia, I'll just tell this story. So I had been trying, as a journalist, I've been trying to get into the United Nations office in Cambodia. It was very difficult. They were doing trials and I was covering them and they wouldn't let me in. But when I went to the AA meeting, one of the four people sitting in the room worked at the United Nations office in Phnom Penh. And the next day I was in the United Nations office. Why? Because I went to a meeting. Because I didn't, I didn't, I did what God wanted me to do. I went to a meeting. And at the meeting, God just said, oh, okay. Here, oh, here's the answer. Because that's, that's the truth. We don't know. Honestly, when we're, and this is really bad step six, you know, we have, this has to go. I write a list every day of all the things I'm going to do that day. 
And then I jokingly say, okay, God, (laughs) I want you to figure this out. But I am the kind of person, even now where I'm have a schedule, because I think that's what really highly successful people do. But that that's not what God wants us to do. God gives us the schedule if we allow him to. He just does. He gives us, he gives us the schedule. And it's not the schedule we want. The other thing, um, one of my biggest character defects was that I was always late for everything. Late. And um, I mean, I kind of love the fact that my heart would race as I was trying to get to some place on time because I really have to be there and I have to find a parking space and I have to get there, you know. And I don't know how long I was sober, maybe I don't know, six or seven years. And I was meeting Clancy, who's um in the Pacific group, or was who I who I was engaged to. So that's and I feel such loss. But anyway. This is before that. And um, I started crying because I said, I don't know how to be on time. And he said two words that literally (laughs) changed this. He said, leave earlier. I had never thought about it. Leave earlier. Never. I'd never thought about leaving earlier. I thought about leaving just, just, just at that moment, you're supposed to leave. And then, oh no, I forgot my keys or I forgot this and got to go back in. No. You know what happens when you leave earlier? You arrive earlier. You have peace of mind. You can, you can relax. Did I know that being late was so selfish? No. Did I know it was a character defect? No. I just thought, I don't know what I thought. I thought living on adrenaline was the answer, but it's not, not for me. I mean, I have plenty of adrenaline, um, but living in fear, living on adrenaline, living, first of all, caring what other people think about you. These are things that when you work the steps and you, you know who you really are, um, you almost don't care what other people think about you. You just, you just think, I, I know, I know what I think. I know what I think about me. And, and if you don't like it, that's okay. You know, if you don't like who I am, this is who I am. This is who I am sober. And this is a, this is a good thing. And I, I trust me, if you're the secretary of a meeting that has a thousand people, a lot of people think a lot of things about you but you know what somebody said to me as I always remember somebody said to me in AA years ago about worrying about a worry I'm a worrier that's another character defect worry I worry 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 and somebody said just do it don't worry just do it which is sounds so simple see that's a great thing about AA is it's simple so instead of worrying about it just do it Oh, okay. All right. That's, that's good. Or one of the other things I love about um, the steps and worry, something I did is somebody said once, um, 
you know, if you're up in the middle of the night worrying about somebody or hating somebody, um, just remember they are asleep. <laughs> that that helped a lot. I was like, why am I why am I resenting this person? They don't even care, you know. But then that leads to another thing that it talks about in the step, which is forgiveness. Oh Lord, forgiveness. You know, I'm I'm from this Irish Catholic family. So in my family, um, like I had two aunts who lived in the same apartment and they had a disagreement and they stayed living in the same apartment with each other for two more years, but they never spoke to each other. Okay. So, or if my mother had a problem with a neighbor, that's it. We don't, that's it. It's over, done. I don't speak to anybody anymore. So this was a character defect of mine in AA, and sometimes it could still be, which is you cross me and you're off the list. Um, you know, okay. And I've had to learn really through these steps, through my character defects. Mary, forgive people. I mean, look at the world we're living in now. I mean, everybody now is having a hard time. We're all, we're all just, you know, I mean, it's, it's difficult. It's like, where is the foundation of our life? It all has transformed. And so what do we have left? No. Okay. We have to give up those character defects. We have to humbly ask them, can I be kind? Can I be kind instead of angry? Can I pause? Somebody said to me once, you should Count the seconds, the seconds you're sober, and that's how long you should pause. Well, 43 seconds is not long enough for me. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I have to walk out the door. I have to walk around the block. I have to do the things that, you know, when I see somebody that I'm really angry with, I have got to like step six and seven, humbly ask God to forgive to let, let it go, let it go. Let, let, what, what is that person going through? Now, do, would we think of any of these things if we weren't sober in AA? No, we would not. We would not be these people. We would not try to be loving and kind. We just wouldn't. You know, I, I think of some of my students, like, oh, I was thinking, I was thinking this, the other day, because some of my students really had a hard time last semester and really had a lot of, you know, psychological problems, a lot of stuff. And, um, and I thought to myself, is a professor supposed to be, I don't know what a professor is supposed to be, but I know how I feel. I feel compassionate. So does is that, is that what we're supposed to be? I, I, you know, I, I asked people in AA, I, that's part of the thing about letting go of, you know, of our character defects. So you have to ask people for help. My sponsor said, I said, I don't think, I don't have a PhD. Maybe I don't belong at a university. And you know what she said? She said, brains are not as important as the heart. Heart is what's important. And I thought, really? That's not how these people talk. They talk in lingo I barely understand, but no, the heart is important. And that's what we, these are the character defects that drive us 
to self-destruction if we don't pay attention to them. And um, so I, you know, I think I even think about this with my own children. My children are so diametrically opposed politically. They can barely even be in the same room. So what's my job? I just have to love them both and I listen to them both. And I cannot get into it because the world we live in today, we need step six and seven almost more than we ever needed it. We need to do inventories more than we ever needed to do them. At least this is my opinion. I mean, I, I know lots of people who think you do one inventory, that's it. Maybe they're not writers. <laughs> Although one, one time I have to say, some woman read me an inventory. It was like a mini series. I mean, I mean this, it took three weeks. <laughs> I thought, no, this is way too much. But here's the thing. When we put it down and then we read it and then we realize and then we have somebody to help us. Yeah, you know, that was that was lust or that was envy or whatever it was. Then we get a chance to work, you know, six and seven. And humbly, I think Bill, I think Bill Wilson was right to put the word in because people think it means humiliate, you know, humble, humble yourself. I don't think it means that. I think it actually means this is the way to freedom. This is the door you open. This is the gate. You think it means one thing, but if you open the gate, it means something else. So um, I don't think I have anything else to say um, about the steps. Um, so I think um, for me, um, that's enough for me. I just would love to hear from all of you. I know it's a little bit early, but um, I'd love to hear from all of you. So thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. Sobercast is ad-free, and we'd like your help in order to keep it that way. So if you'd like to help us be self-supporting by pledging a dollar to a month, visit Sobercast.com and look for the donate links. Thank you very much.